Good morning. It's wonderful to be here. What a beautiful, beautiful day in early November. We don't get too many of these, do we? It can be anything out there. It can be 95 and it can be 10 degrees. But we have a beautiful day. Thank you for coming. Appreciate your presence very much. As Nathan said, if you're visiting with us, a special welcome to you. Come back and worship with us at every opportunity that you have. A while back, this whole year, practically, we have been assigning topics. And it's, it's been especially difficult for those of us who get up there. And it's been wonderful because we've had to stretch the envelope, get out of our comfort zone a little bit. We're not necessarily talking about things that we're passionate about. Passionate about. We become passionate about it after we start studying it. It's kind of funny how that works. And I've got a difficult topic to talk about today. Difficult topic. This whole month, we're going to be talking about unity. And I think many years ago, there was something put in my personnel file at work that said, does not play well with others. Because unity is not my strong suit. Some of you are hard to get along with. I'm not, but some of you are. Unity's tough. You know, we're never commanded in Scripture to do something that we do automatically. We're never commanded to go take a break once in a while, get some rest. We're never commanded to do that. We're never commanded to, to, you know, have a hobby, take vacation, any of those type of things. We are commanded to be generous. That's kind of hard sometimes. We are commanded to have unity. We're commanded to love one another. You know, nowhere in Scripture is a woman commanded, a wife, excuse me, Nowhere in Scripture is a wife commanded to unconditionally love her husband. Why is that? They're commanded to love them, but that's a phileo love. Nowhere in Scripture. Why is that? Because women tend to be loving. They don't have to be prodded and pushed into that. Man's commanded. Agape love. Unconditionally love your wife as Christ loved the church and gave himself for it. We're never commanded to do things that we automatically do. We're commanded to unity. We're commanded to do that, even if I'm hard to get along with. But we're all different. That's why unity is so important. But the blessings of God revolve around togetherness. That's what I want us to talk about today. There will, this month, there will be several different aspects of unity that we'll be talking about, and we'll try not, I'll try to stay in my lane, and so I won't be treading on others' talks. But today we want to talk about the blessings that God gives us and about this aspect of togetherness. First, we need to establish that unity is not us just us agreeing. It's not just that. It's not just worshiping together. It's not that either. Not just that. Certainly it involves that, but it's not just that. Unity is prioritizing others at our own expense. Ah, that's why it's so hard, isn't it? That's why it's difficult, prioritizing others at our expense, sacrificing something. You know, I've been saving up for that new bedroom suit. But, you know, I need to do this, or I need to do that. It's a sacrifice. It's sacrificing ourselves for the benefit of others. That's unity. That's how we achieve unity. Christ did that for us. 
he, he wasn't wild about the idea of suffering and bleeding and dying. That was the extent that he was willing to pay. That was the extent to which he was willing to sacrifice and give of himself for our benefit. And being Christ-like requires that we do that as well, prioritize others at our own expense. First thing I'd like for us to consider that unity was always in God's plans, always, from the very beginning, was always. Ephesians 3, verse 8, the Bible says to me, Paul speaking here, who am less than the least of all the saints, this grace was given, that I should preach among the Gentiles the unsearchable riches of Christ. Unsearchable riches of Christ. Preach that. Verse 9, and to make all see what is the fellowship of the mystery. The fellowship, the family, the close-knit ties of fellowship, of the mystery, which from the beginning of the ages has been hidden in Christ, hidden in God who created all things through Jesus Christ. In Christ, Christ was the mystery. Christ was the explanation. How was God going to satisfy the requirements of justice? being a just God, a righteous God, how would he satisfy those requirements and still maintain his desire for mercy toward man, his creation? How would he do that? Sin had to be punished. Had to be punished. Christ became that punishment for all who would accept his offer of grace. And that was the plan from the beginning. Verse 10, that in the dispensation, Verse 9 tells us this mystery. Then verse 10 tells us what the mystery was. Talking about Christ, he said that in the dispensation, the fullness of times, that at the end of times, at a time preordained by God, he might gather together in one all things in Christ, which are in heaven and which are on earth, even in him. Always was part of the plan. From the beginning and at his appointed time in the end. Gather together in one. All things in Christ, that unity of all things in Christ, and that includes heaven and earth. That includes every creation of God and heaven and earth. Ever consider that our unity includes heaven? Certainly includes Christ. We're his body. We're part of his body. Certainly includes that. See what else? All of God's family on heaven and earth. Ephesians 3 Verse 14 and 15, for this reason, Paul said, I bow my knees to the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, from whom the whole family in heaven and earth is named. From whom? Heaven and earth. Heaven and earth. The unity that we have here comes from God and includes his family. It's also commanded, as we talked about. It's not easy. It doesn't come without effort. We're going to talk about a few of those things. But first, it is a commandment of God. 1 Peter 3 and verse 18, Peter says, Finally, be ye all of one mind. That's not try to do it. That's not if the guy's easy to get along with. If, uh, if he's not a jerk, I'm never that way. I don't know about you, but I'm never that way. Be ye all of one mind, having compassion one of another, love as brethren, be pitiful, be courteous, stressing the needs of others at our own expense. Second Corinthians 13, verse 11, finally, brethren, farewell, be perfect. That's complete. 
And we can't be perfect, but we can be perfect, united in Christ. Christ is perfect. We're certainly not. Be perfect. Be of good comfort. Be comforted. Be encouraged and comforted by the fact that we're all together. Be of one mind. Live in peace. And the God of love and peace shall be with you. If we want the blessings of God, the God of love and peace, then we have to live together, united in love and peace. Unity is commanded. Colossians 3, verse 12. Starting there, Paul says, Therefore, as the elect of God, holy and beloved, put on tender mercy. That be, be clothed with, immerse ourselves in tender mercies, kindness, humility, meekness, long-suffering, forbearing in the King James, forbearing with one another. That's not hard, is it? It's not hard. We play golf together, several of us. Groups vary who can play, who can can't, but we play golf, but it's the only group I've ever been around where we're high-fiving somebody else for their eagle or their good birdie. I mean, I was, I was competitive and I wanted to win. They know. My family knows. I was competitive, but these guys have taught me that you can want to shoot well want to play well, but want everybody else to play well too. That was a new concept for me. And I had to learn it the hard way a lot of times, but eventually I got it. But that's, that's incredible. But it's easy. This group as a whole, it's easy to be loving. It's easy to be kind. It's easy to be humble and meek and long-suffering, forbearing one another until something happens. Ooh. I'm just as happy-go-lucky as can be going down the highway, visiting, carrying on, visiting with daughter. Somebody cuts me off in traffic. That's when I know where my heart is. Sometimes that's not good. We're all good. We get along so well here. We got a wonderful group. Sometimes even the smallest thing can, can throw a monkey wrench in the gearbox. That's when it gets difficult, isn't it? That's when it gets difficult. Forgiving one another. If anyone has a complaint against another, even as Christ forgave you, so you also must do. And above all these things, put on love, which is the bond of perfection. The bond of perfection. That's the glue. That's the mortar of perfection, of being perfect in Christ. Being united in Christ is being part of a perfect body, even though the parts are terribly imperfect. But when we're sacrificing what we want to do for the benefit of others and we're placing others first, forbearing one another, forgiving one another, forgiving a complaint against another brother, even the smallest problems can be huge without relationships. That's why unity is not just agreeing. Unity is actually loving one another, having relationships with one another. Unity is much more than just agreeing on, say, baptism. It's much more than that, isn't it? Galatians 2, Paul writing there to church, uh, excuse me, Colossians 2, Paul writing to the church at Colossae, and he had this to say, Colossians 2 verse 1, for I want you to know what a great conflict I have. He said, I'm conflicted. I'm struggling. I'm having a hard time with this. 
have a conflict for you and those in Laodicea, and for as many as have not seen my face in the flesh. There's a number of people in these congregations that he hadn't seen personally, a number that he had not had a chance to visit with personally. And he was concerned about them. He wasn't concerned if they were starving and food was a problem, especially in this area. He wasn't concerned if there was persecution and persecution was a problem all over the Roman Empire, but also in this area. Problems that they had, what was his concern? That all of their hearts might be comforted, being knit together in love. That was his concern, that they were staying united, not just had the same ideals, but they were knit together in love. And unto all riches, all the blessings of staying together, knit together in love, and full assurance, understanding of the acknowledgement of the mystery of God, that's Christ, and his role in single-handedly saving us all, all who would accept his offer of grace, to the acknowledgement of the mystery of God and of the Father and of Christ. That was his biggest concern, that, that they stay through everything, that they stayed knit together in love. That's close-knit. That's not just agreeing in principle. That's knit together in love. And sometimes unity requires that not everyone is included. Last few years, we've done that, and y'all are aware of some of that. We've had to do that, but it was always as a last resort. It was always after everything else had been tried. Romans 16 and verse 17, Now I urge you, brethren, note those who cause division and offenses, contrary to the doctrine which you learned, and avoid them. So as, as difficult as it, we, we've had to do that, but the goal was always to leave the door open for everyone. To leave the door open for people so that they might return. But it requires more work than many times we're willing to to put forth. It requires effort. Ephesians 4, Paul said, I therefore the prisoner of the Lord beseech you to walk worthy of the vocation where which you were called, King James, the calling with which you were called in the new King James. The calling of God, walk worthy of the calling of God. How do we do that? How do we do that? How do we actually walk worthy? We could never be worthy but we can walk in a worthy manner. We can try to emulate the love and unity of God. We do that with all lowliness and, and meekness, gentleness, long-suffering, forbearing with one another in love. That's how we do that, by prioritizing others at our own expense, being nice. Verse 3, endeavoring, working at it diligently working at it to keep the unity of the spirit in the bond of peace. There's that word bond again. That's the glue. That's the mortar. The bond of peace is the unity of the spirit. Unity of the spirit, forbearing one another, being kind to one another, establishing relationships. You can't be really kind to someone if you don't know them, can you? You can't really prioritize someone else's uh, concerns and their, and their needs while sacrificing our own. We cannot do that very well if we don't even know them. Pardon me just for a second. 
Because even under the best possible circumstances, even when everything is going well, and it does here, generally it does here. I'm not saying we don't have hiccups because we do, but this is a wonderful group of people but it's still going to require effort. We're just one generation away from being an artifact. One generation away from being a relic, prioritizing others as a, at our own expense. Y'all are probably tired of hearing, of hearing about what I did for a living. I'll give you one more example, at least for today. I won't talk about it any more than this. Worked for the electric company many years, different levels of electricity required different things. Just like us, we have individual things that we must do. We have individual uh, priorities, individual responsibilities. And we had secondary, primary, and transmission voltages that we worked on. Anything under basically 1,000 volts, you could work by yourself. You had to be careful. You had to observe the safety rules. You had to do those things that were important, but it was individually based work. Above that, up to tens of thousands of volts was primary voltage. Couldn't work it by yourself. Had to be part of a team. Had to be part of the team. And then ultimately, transmission voltage, sometimes hundreds of thousands of volts, you worked with a, an entire crew. But inevitably, we would start and a lot of the work we did individually, just like you and I, we have individual concerns, individual responsibilities, individual things that we need to take care of. But as individuals, we contribute toward the group. The company, the group, even the district had goals that they set, and each individual worked to help attain those goals, whether it's efficiency goals, whether it was uh, safety goals, productivity, outage restoration goals and, and inevitably we're judged individually but we're also judged collectively in small groups and larger groups and and inevitably company wide we're each accountable to the team in the same way you and i are and communication is key you can't communicate with someone effectively and our lives depended on it uh, electricity will track when, when you have electrical shock it tracks on the moistest part of the body, and that's in the marrow and the bones, and then it comes out to the surface. So by the time a bad burn, by the time it, it takes weeks for that burn to, electrical burn for it to manifest itself because that electricity takes a long time for it to come to the surface. That wound takes a long time to show up on the surface because it's tracked on the bone and then exploded. How much greater is our concern here. Our lives depended on it. Brothers and sisters, our souls depended on it for eternity. How much greater is our concern? Should a concern be for one another? Not just here. Not just are we doing well. But Paul's concern was that through everything, we stay knit together. We stay united. We have to keep communicating. We have to, and we can only do that if we have relationships established in this group, among us. Continuing on there in Ephesians 4, talking about endeavoring to keep the unity of spirit in verse 4, in verse 3, then verse 4 said, there is one body, one spirit, just as you were called in one hope of your calling, one Lord, one faith, one baptism. All this is unity. All this unites us. One God and Father of all who is above all and through all and in you all. Then verse 7, 
but to each one of us grace was given, given according to the measure of the gifts of Christ. We all are different. We all have different talents. We all have different goals. We all have different uh, personalities. We all have, have different looks. Some of us got the short end of that stick, but we're different. And for that, we have different challenges, different challenges. Continuing on, skipping down to verse 11. And Paul said, he himself gave some to be apostles, some prophets, some evangelists, some pastors and teachers. Again, different gifts, different gifts. Some of these, we won't go down that rabbit hole, but some of these positions are no longer part of the church. They expired, but he gave us different talents, different abilities. Why? Verse 12, for the equipping of the saints, for the individuals to contribute what they had for the greater good. For the equipping of the saints, for the work of the ministry, for the edifying, that's strengthening, that's building up, edifying the body of Christ. Verse 13, till we all come to the unity of the faith. Ultimately, that unity of our faith will end in sight in the great day of judgment. Till we all come to the unity of the faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God, to a perfect man, that's the perfect body of Christ. We will be judged as being perfect because we're part of the perfect body of Christ to the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ. Verse 14, that we should no longer be children tossed to and fro and carried about with every wind of doctrine by the trickery of man and the cunning craftiness of deceitful plotting. But speaking the truth in love may grow up in all things into him, that's into Christ, who is the head, Christ, from whom the whole body joined and knit together by what every joint supplies, according to the effective working by which every part does its share, causing growth of the body for the edifying of itself in love. Have you ever seen a really good player on a really bad team? Yeah, we probably have. It's pretty sad to watch sometimes. <laughs> a really good player on a real bad team, and they're going 0 for, 0 for 10, 0 for 4 at the plate, whatever it is. But we've seen that. How disheartening is it? And how much greater is the reward when that one person starts working with the others and starts edifying them and equipping the others? and building that up so this team is successful. That's where our priorities are. That's where they have to be. That's where Christ were. That's what God were. Uh, but I, you know, I've got a boat, Monty, that I've got to put some hours on. Sit there too long, carburetor's gonna gum up. You know, I've got things I need to do. Prioritizing others at our own expense. We're called to peace, that bond of perfection, that bond of peace in the Holy Spirit. But we're called to peace in one body. Colossians 3 and 13, and let the peace of God rule in your hearts to which, that's to the peace of God, to which you're also called in one body and be thankful. It's hard to prioritizing others when we're not thankful for where we are and what we've got thankful for the matchless spiritual blessings 
matchless blessings, physical and spiritual, in Christ Jesus. Verse 16, let the word of Christ dwell in you richly in all wisdom, teaching and admonishing one another in psalms and hymns, spiritual songs, singing with grace in your hearts to the Lord, and whatever you do in word or deed, do all in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God, the Father through him. When we're thankful, we can be generous. When we're thankful, we can be helpful. We can be loving because we're remembering how richly we're blessed. And it's easier to pass those blessings on to others. Philippians 2, starting there in verse 1, Therefore, if there's any consolation in Christ, that's comfort. That's, that's consolement. If there's any consolation in Christ, if any comfort of love, if any fellowship of the Spirit, if any affection and mercy, that's all outgoing, brothers and sisters. That's all how we treat others. He said, fulfill my joy by being like-minded, having the same love, being of one accord, of one mind. Let nothing, uh, let nothing be done through selfish ambition or conceit, but in lowliness of mind, let each esteem others better than himself. Let each of you look out not only on his own interests, but also for the interests of others. That's what we've been talking about. And Jesus, on the night he was betrayed, suffering, grieving, crying, and praying. And sweat drops fell from his, from his face like blood in terrible agony. And yet he was praying for his disciples. He was praying for his apostles. Then down in verse 20, he said, I do not pray for these alone, not only his apostles, but also for those who will believe in me through their word, that they all may be one. As you, Father, are in me and I in you, that they also may be one in us. He's praying for unity of the people he's leaving behind, that the world may believe that you sent me. And staying united and staying knit together in love, we're that city on a hill. By being kind to people, each other in particular, we're showing the world that God is with us. Verse 22, and the glory which you gave me, I have given them, that they may be one just as we are one. I in them and you in me, that they may be made perfect in one. That's that perfection. That's that completeness in Christ and that the world may know that you have sent me and have loved them as you have loved me. We cannot be an influence in the world if we don't exhibit that affection and that concern, and we don't sacrifice for the benefit of others. Heavenly blessings of unity, Ephesians first chapter. Thank you for that reading, Lonnie, appreciated that. Starts out there in verse 3, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ who hath blessed us with all spiritual blessings in heavenly places in Christ. All blessings. You know, we're all blessed. The whole world is blessed. It rains on the just and the unjust and these physical blessings. We're all blessed. But there's superior blessings. There's spiritual blessings for those in Christ, those who remain committed to be united, those who are knit together in love, heavenly places in Christ. In the next few verses, I won't read all those, but the next few verses, we're talking about a number of the blessings that he's bestowed upon us. In verses 4 
through 10, he's talking about being foreordained to the adoption. He's talking about being holy and blessed in Christ. He's talking about redemption, forgiveness, grace that we have the opportunity to partake of if we will accept God's invitation. We're talking about the mystery that we talked about. In Christ Jesus, God's inheritance ordained since before the world. Then on down in verse 13, he says again, in whom, that's in Christ, ye also trusted. After that ye heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation, in whom also after that ye believed. You were sealed with that Holy Spirit of promise. Talking about the first principles, to hear, believe, repent, confess his name, be buried with him in baptism, and you shall receive the gift of the Holy Spirit, Acts 2 and 38. Doing all those things, and then verse 14, which is the earnest of our inheritance. Also translated guarantee, also translated pledge, but it's a token amount, which is the token amount of our inheritance until the redemption, until we're all re redeemed. Redemption of the purpose, purchase, possession unto the praise of his glory. Heavenly benefits, all spiritual blessings, verse 3, in heavenly places. Now that places was added. That word places was added by the translators. But it means places or things or realm in heavenly realms in Christ. The Holy Spirit that we receive at baptism is a token amount, a down payment, if you will, on our eternal inheritance. Heavenly blessings that start now when we're united in Christ. When we're prioritizing others at our own expense, as Christ did for us. Hebrews 12. You know, today we're having, in this time, we're having wars in the Middle East and terrible atrocities. But through it all, we're seeing this emphasis on a physical city of Jerusalem. And as, as heartbreaking as those images are, we need to realize that that's not the city God promised us. It's not a physical location. And here's what he said. Apostle Paul said, Hebrews 12, starting there in verse 18. For you have not come to the mountain. Remember when the old law was given, the, mount sh the mountain shook, Mount Sinai shook, covered in smoke, lightning, and thunder. That's what Paul's referring to. For you have not come to the mountain that may be torched and that burned with fire and to the blackness and darkness and tempest and the sound of the trumpet and the voice of words so that those who heard it begged that the words should not be spoken to them anymore. For they could not endure what was commanded. As if so much as a beast touches the mountain, it shall be stoned or shot through with an arrow. And so terrifying was the sight that Moses said, I'm exceedingly afraid and trembling. Not talking about Mount Sinai. You have not come to the physical Mount Sinai. That's the old law. But, or rather, or on the contrary, you have come to Mount Zion. You have come to the city of the living God, to heavenly Jerusalem, to an innumerable company of angels, to the general assembly of church and church of the firstborn who are perfect, to Jesus, the mediator of the new covenant, and to the blood of sprinkling that speaks better things than that of Abel. 
See that you do not refuse him who speaks, for if they did not escape, who refused him who spoke on earth, how much more shall we not escape if we turn away from him who speaks from heaven, whose voice then shook the earth? But now he has promised, saying, yet once more I shake, not only the earth, but also heaven. And that'll be in the day of judgment. Now this, yet once more, indicates the removal of those things that are being shaken as of things that are made, that the things which cannot be shaken may remain. Therefore, since we are receiving a kingdom, that's right now, brothers and sisters, we're receiving a kingdom in which, which cannot be shaken. Let us have grace by which we may serve God acceptably with reverence and godly fear. For our God is a consuming fire. Heavenly blessings that we enjoy now in Christ. Here's a partial list of just what we looked over here. What's so special about Mount Zion? We here often see references to that in a spiritual way. What's, what's so special? Have you ever got to the top of a mountain and realized the view? Understood the view? We have a different perspective than a lot of people, don't we? Hopefully we have a long, longer vision. We see farther down the road, different perspective. We've been blessed with that, haven't we? We've been blessed by being members of the city of God, that heavenly Jerusalem, together with an innumerable company of angels. Those blessings are in heaven and earth, the general assembly, church of the firstborn. We're together with family whose names are all written on the book, in the book, in heaven. We've come to God, the judge of all, to the spirits of just men made perfect on that great day. All men who are justified by the blood of Christ will be made perfect in his body. To Jesus, our mediator, to the blood of sprinkling, to atonement, to forgiveness, to reconciliation, propitiation, grace through that blood of sprinkling. Gather together with those who chose not to refuse Jesus, refusing God. Together with those who've received an everlasting, unshakable kingdom. Heavenly blessings that we're enjoying now in Christ. Romans 8, verse 35. Who shall separate us from the love of Christ shall tribulation, distress, persecution famine, nakedness, peril, or sword. As it is written, for your sake, we are killed all day long. We are counted as sheep for the slaughter. Yet in all these things, we're more than conquerors through him who loved us. I'm persuaded that neither life nor death nor angels nor principalities nor powers nor things present nor things to come nor height nor death nor any created thing shall be able to separate us from the love of God which is in Christ Jesus our Lord. The love of God, the spiritual blessings of God are in Christ Jesus, our Lord. Unfortunately, we can separate ourselves. The unity is dependent upon us. We can separate ourselves. Story is told about two brothers in Christ who had been together for many years, been best friends for many years. They had raised their children in the church together in the process of doing that. Well, one brother stopped coming, gradually had other things, had some family problems, had some things that, that distractions that pulled him away. 
and he knew his brother was going to call him. And we'll refer to these two as, as the troubled, struggling Christian and the brother. The struggling Christian was looking for a call from his brother. He loved his brother. They loved each other. And he knew he was going to get a call from this guy. He knew he hadn't been attended, but he was hoping that would be handled in a kind, loving way. He said, surely he will be good to me. He will be kind. He will, he will be nice when he comes. So one night he got a call from the brother. The brother said, I'd like to talk to you. Can I come over and visit? And the, and the troubled Christian said, sure, come on over. He wanted to see him. It had been a long time. He wanted to see him. He got there. He said, okay, well, he's kind of dreading it. You know, the troubled brother was dreading it. But poured him a cup of coffee. They went in the living room and sat down. Just stared into the fireplace. They're just sitting there. Silence is getting a little more, you know, sometimes silence is deafening. Waiting and waiting and the troubled Christian was, okay, he's probably going to let me have any. I hope he's kind. But nothing said. The eerie silence goes on and goes on. And pretty soon, the brother gets up. And he goes over to the fire and he warms his hand for a minute. And he grabs the tongs from the fireplace. And he picks up and grabs one bright shining coal, ember, and sets it out on the fireplace, in front of the fireplace, on the hearth. Sets the tongs down, goes back, sits down, drinks coffee. Silence, no word, nothing said. Quickly that coal began to cool. Quickly that coal began to lose its fire, lose its warmth, turn black and dark and cold. It just sat there. It just sat there. Pretty soon the brother gets up, goes back over to the fireplace, grabs the tongs, picks up the coal, sets it back in the fire. Immediately the coal begins to glow begins to put out some heat, catches fire. Went back, sat there a few more minutes, finished a cup of coffee. The brother said, I need to go. So he got up and headed for the door. His brother caught him, gave him a hug, and said, thank you for the fiery sermon. Alone, brothers and sisters were weak. Alone, we're vulnerable. Together is where our strength is. Proverbs 18, a man who isolates himself seeks his own desire. He rages against all wise judgment. Some of the worst ideas I've ever heard are from people who were studying diligently at home by themselves. Proverbs 27 speaks to that. Verse 18, as iron sharpens iron, so a man sharpens the countenance of his friend. Good friend, a wise friend, a godly friend will sharpen our senses will hone our skills, will encourage us, will strengthen us. Family's the first line of defense. We all have family, and hopefully that's godly family. Friends are of great value as well, especially godly friends. But brothers and sisters, every person in here today has taken a vow to stay and fight with you. Don't get that out there, brother and sister. We don't get that out there. Hebrews 10, we'll close with this passage. Let's draw near with a true heart. That's drawing near, near to God and near to one another with a sincere heart in full assurance of faith, having our hearts sprinkled from an evil conscience and our bodies washed with pure water. Let us hold fast the confession of our hope without wavering for he is who promised is faithful and let us consider one another in order to stir up love and good works, not forsaking the assembling of ourselves together as the manner of some is, but exhorting, encouraging, one another and so much more as you see the day approaching
Brothers and sisters, the serpent tempted Eve when she was alone. Even God, after God the Son, Jesus Christ, was tempted alone when he was at his most vulnerable time. He had fasted for 40 days. That's when Satan's going to tempt us. That's when he's going to do that. It stands to reason. That's the way he's operated since the beginning of time. Okay, I got one more. Psalmist David said, how good and how pleasant it is for brethren to dwell together in unity. It's like precious oil upon the head running down the beard, the beard of Aaron running down on the edge of the garments. It was like the dew of Hermon descending upon the mountains of Zion, for there the Lord commanded the blessings. God commands all blessing, even life forevermore. Therapeutic. That oil was therapeutic, but it was also uh, Aramaic. Uh, not Aramaic, that's a language. But it had aroma, a pleasant, blessed aroma. That was a recipe that God set forth. And the fragrance was a blessing to everyone around it. We had a heavy dew this morning. And in very arid places in the desert. Can't do without a dew. Can't do without that fog. Heavenly blessings that we can enjoy now. Because we're united in the body of Christ. We offer an invitation to anyone who is not a recipient of those matchless spiritual blessings, those heavenly blessings in Christ Jesus. No, you're not so many of us as we're baptized into Christ, into him. We have water. We have clothing. If we can assist you in that, we would love to do, that, do so at this time. Or if there's something we can assist you with that you might need the prayers of the church for any reason. Gospel subject in the audience this morning. Please come, sit on the front row, and let us know how we can assist you as, as we stand and sing.